You are listening to Drop Tent Media Network. Uh, my undocumented ass podcast. With Che Guerrero. The winds really change talk. in one direction. They got to harass someone else. I get it. I get exactly. it. Like, people don't realize how just one little access can literally change a whole family's life. Hey, thank you for checking out another episode of My Undocumented Ass Podcast. Uh, I want to apologize, one, for wearing shorts as hot as heck in New Jersey this weekend, and two, for the glitch that you'll be seeing during the video. It keeps going black and back uh, from time to time, but the audio is still great, and the conversation is amazing. I sit down with Jennifer Leone. She's someone who grew up undocumented, and by seeing her family's trauma, was inspired to become a therapist for undocumented people. We talk about her work, why there's so many barriers in therapy, and she gives us a breakdown of some amazing organizations that help out undocumented people across the country. Check it out. Jennifer Leon. Leon, we say it like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I actually didn't even, because uh, on your TikTok and Instagram, like, you know, it's like therapist, and I'm just like, I'm looking everywhere for your name. I even sent you an email, and I was like, I hope she writes me back with, hey, I see us <laughs> a name, and I could just go with it. So I didn't know your name until it popped up on my Zoom link, so... Nice, nice, nice. You keep incognito because you also like so. Okay, so so you're a trauma therapist. You were saying, mm-hmm. uh, and you work in the LA area, and that's the only place you're able to work because of your license. Just yeah. So like, um, when we get licensed as a therapist, we are only licensed in the state that we are in. So unlike any other license, like a medical license or like even a lawyer, they're able to practice all over fifty states. Um, we are very restricted to our state and state only. We would, if we wanted to be licensed in other states, we would have to take uh, their law and ethics um, and their licensing exam, um, which is a lot of money, to be honest, and which is why it's very restricting. Um, there is are a lot like of things that restrict barrier us. barrier that they add to mental health? Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Did I just get it? Did I just understand something <laughs> in 30 seconds? Like, yes. Why can't other Honestly, people get yes. it? Honestly, yes. So, but, okay, so even digitally, like, you can't practice uh, across state lines digitally, like, not even mm-hmm. that. Not even that. So my client has to be in California um, in order for therapy to work. Like, if they're going on vacation to, like, Nevada, East Coast area, I'm like, I can't. Wow. What mm-hmm. What a medicine that, you know, like, like therapy can work over Zoom, you know, a lot easier than most other fields. And they still have, is there any kind of progress that, you know, to try and change that kind of stuff? Or that just seems like that's just business as usual. It's honestly just money. Like, I believe it's like, it's all capitalism influence because it does require a lot of money to, for us to get licensed in other states. And it's actually not fair. And again, that's another barrier to mental health because there are, there are states that don't have or have very little um, Latinx um, therapists. And so those people, that community that need to find a therapist that looks like them, represents them, that can identify with them, is on the other side of the country. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. oh, wow, I didn't even think of that as an issue. I mean, uh, I, I was someone, because, you know, you were like, hey, do you have any questions or any way you do the show? And I was <laughs> like, honestly, I've never been able to see a therapist. So I was just going to ask you questions that was going on in my brain and why it's broken. And hopefully you can just give me. And if our friends happen to get something out of it, it's cool. Uh, you know? But... Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm very selfish with these uh, these interviews sometimes. I, I bring in people for insurance only because I need insurance answers. Uh, as an <laughs> I got you. I got you. I'm uh, sure other people have the same questions. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess uh, I want to I want to know, like, I, not to speak uh, personally on your on your clients, but what are some of the common themes that you find with working with the undocumented community as far as like mental health? Like, oh, that's a big question. And it's like. It's really a lot of little different triggers. Um, as what kind of triggers are is anything that activates really your nervous system and to go into the fight or flight response. And so that could be somebody going angry, that could be somebody shutting down, that could be somebody like uh, being irritated, uh, going into depressive mode, or really anxious. So a lot of the time, some some of those triggers, very common triggers, are I'm different, I don't belong here, um, I'm threatened. I am not enough and I'm unworthy. That's been some of that's been some of the common themes of triggers where if we really try to go to the root of it, that's where we're going into. So that goes into a lot of behaviors already. Yeah, no, I was uh I was I was reading this book, uh it's called My Underground American Dream and it's it was about this woman <laughs> who was talking about how she was two weeks away from getting a job and uh, she was using fake papers and she wound up having like a, a crazy panic attack. She thought she was having a heart attack and she didn't realize that she was actually worried about being exposed as undocumented because yeah. she thought she wasn't thinking about it, but then mm -hmm. realized she was. It was just I, I was so shocking because like uh, a lot of people always ask me, like, how do you deal with being undocumented? And uh, I started doing stand up comedy when, when I was 18. And mm -hmm. I've been making fun of it uh, for a long time. I was 18, and I think uh, I, I, not to not to just self-diagnose, but I use humor way too much to not yeah. deal with the issue. And now as an adult, I, I don't know how to turn it off. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. feel almost yeah. like it's a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's like really up to the person because dark humor really does help us cope. We can laugh about our struggles. We can laugh because we know how much it hurts. Yeah, we know how much like how much pain we're already suffering. So if we can at least laugh, create some type of community where we can at least laugh about something that's bringing us in a collective way. However, if somebody else outside of our communities is now using some of those jokes, that's very offensive. Mm -hmm. It's like, wait a minute. Why are you laughing about this? You don't know what this means. Mm -hmm. You don't know what this like how much this hurts and how serious this could be. Yeah. We as the community can laugh about it. <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's why it's mm -hmm. also, you know, you mentioned very uh, most importantly that a lot of Latinx people can't find therapists that look like them. And especially mm -hmm. like a therapist who's gone through the undocumented experience, you might be the first that I saw on my TikTok and I was like, oh my God, if I could afford it, I totally want to talk to her. Like, like, cause like, <laughs> that's just like, cause there's so much things that I just, I just can't explain to other people. You know, and that's yeah. representation, mm -hmm. especially in the world of therapy is so key. Because I don't yeah. want to be in front of a white person who's like, I read about that. I'm like, cool, cool. You read about mm -hmm. that. You know, mm -hmm. how do you find mm -hmm. that, that your your clients like respond to you? Like your patients. How do you call them? Clients, patients? <laughs> <Family. Thanks. laughs> yeah. So that's where I found it really beautiful. Because as a therapist who also goes to therapy, I also went through that struggle. I was just like, I was able to talk to my therapist who was a Latina. Um, and, but there was a barrier when I was talking about my status with them, there would be like, oh yeah, that's difficult. That sucks. Like, you know, some validation. I'm like, 
yeah but you don't really get it (laughs) like i would get get kind of frustrated within myself i'm like no you don't understand you don't understand how this hurts you don't understand how i was really scared shitless sometimes um and so i kind of found that and i was like damn like even with a latinx therapist a latina therapist who does come from like immigrant parents i still found a barrier and so going through this process of becoming a therapist not only an undocumented therapist i got to meet clients also with that status daca um strictly undocumented and i was able to provide them at least with that solid genuine understanding of like i'm here i see you i see your struggle because i have been there too i am still in this space with you wow that is that is so powerful and yeah you really are uh providing them with a real service what 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 made you want to get into it like was that something you was going through or was it yourself going through therapy that made you want to go back so it was actually like a little mixture of a lot of things um mostly a lot of personal um i really wanted to know why um so and i have a mixed mixed status family so it's me and my parents who are undocumented Thus, I have siblings who are of status. And so with that, I saw a lot of differences, even growing up, um, where my siblings didn't sometimes understand the severity of some things. They didn't understand the topics of some things. And again, that's their own privilege, and that's okay. I understand that. But I wanted to know more about, like, the why my parents were the way they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, why are, why are they coming up with, like, what now I know to be triggers? I didn't know growing up that they were triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they were just responding to like personal things that I did. Like I got home late or like I got an F or whatever that was. But in reality, it was a trigger mm-hmm. for them. So they would, and I didn't know that. And I wanted to know more about why, why were they being triggered? What's going on here? And what things would you see from them? Because as an undocumented person, like I, I'm still processing a lot of what my parents' reaction was to coming here and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So what were some of the things that you, you, you've seen your parents that made you even, I mean, later on you noticed like, what was, what were some of those yeah. triggers? Yeah. So a lot of the time where, um, I didn't know migration was a whole trigger in itself, like leaving your family behind. I thought like, um, I didn't know it was undocumented until really late, like the early, like mid teenage years, like mm. 13, 14 years old. And so I did. I thought it was normal because, like, again, I was around a lot of citizens who would go back and forth to Mexico and have family in Mexico and have family here. So I thought that was normal. Mm-hmm. To my parents, they it wasn't normal to them. They lost all their friends. Mm-hmm. They lost all their community. They lost family members having to come here. And yes, yeah, so that we hear that narrative of like, damn, they they really came here with nothing. And it's not true because, like, when I talk to my parents, they're like. No, I came here with hope. I came here mm-hmm. with safety. I came here um, already with like a job. And I was just like, so they didn't come to just come with nothing. They had a lot of on them, really. Mm-hmm. Yes, it comes with a lot of like triggers in itself. But it again, as also I talked to my clients when they're telling me their parents' um, experiences, our immigration, like, journey is a lot different than their immigration story mm-hmm. they they see how privileged we already are to be learned to even know the language yeah so sometimes even talking to my parents in english and i would be like a lot of spanish with them because i grew up with it um they would they would stop They're like no only spanish and that would trigger them mm. like me just speaking english sometimes like 
no, you have to speak English to me because I can't understand you. Wow. And so it's, it's even the smallest things that would like, um, already be coming up in like a family. Mm. And that's something that I didn't know was something that would trigger them. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I had a hard time. Like, uh, my family, I had a very difficult time when I was 18 and I started doing comedy mm -hmm. about being undocumented and Mm -hmm. For about 10 years, my family did not speak to me. And yeah. I did not understand that at all. And just their fear seemed irrational to me, you know, because I came mm -hmm. here when I was mm -hmm. six. So I grew up American, mm -hmm. you know, United mm -hmm. Statesian. I don't know. I hate saying American, but like, you know, United Statesian. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, it just, it just, now we're better now. <laughs> Actually, mm -hmm. I, I thank so much my Z Gen Z niece who actually mm -hmm. taught my my mom, her grandmother, like, no, you know, uncle's not crazy. He's just American, you know? And and uh, I heard mm -hmm. something really interesting that our generation is like, <clears throat> excuse me, generation like 1.5, which I've never mm -hmm. heard that term before. Mm -hmm. Have you, do you, like, if you know more than I do, please go, because I literally just heard about it like four days ago. No, and that's very interesting that you mentioned that, because I had a client also bring it up, like, I see, um, where she described herself or identified herself as, like a 1.5 generation and I'm like that was the first time I heard of that I was like what do you mean by that and then I had another colleague also identify as a 1.5 and I'm like whoa 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 this is too much what is going on here um and it's really just like because I didn't want well, first I didn't identify neither as first gen because I thought first gen was like oh okay first um first coming up into grad school like into like school and everything and no it's firstborn I was just like ooh, I can't identify with you anymore yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't do that, that you're not the parent that immigrated and you're not the exactly. first generation so exactly you're in, weird middle you're in the middle yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah well what did your clients like what, what were they feeling from it it was more of like like identifying like okay I can now identify at something because again, we're always trying to look, we're always trying to be, we're a very collective, like individuals, as human beings, we long for connection. And so that's one of the ways that we're at least able to put a label on a type of connection we can make with somebody. Um, so we can identify as our immigrant parents, because we're not the ones that physically did the migration. Um, and then we can identify with the first gen, uh, first generation uh, born, because obviously we we're born here. So we're stuck in this middle, like between that, that and that. And yeah. so identifying as a 1.5 was very identifying, very like strong for them. They're like, yeah, this is who I am. This is how I fit in. Yeah. No, when I, when I heard that and I was on TikTok, I was like, I only want to find 1.5 generators yeah. generation because like they get it. Yeah. You came in with your parents <laughs> mm -hmm. so little that you don't really remember the home country. You don't have yep. status. So you can't consider yourself part of this country. So you're, yep. you're this nomad generation where, you know, and, and, oh my gosh, I remember I went to like, uh, I work in a very Hispanic neighborhood now and I went <laughs> to the, uh, to the Dominican restaurant and the Dominican waitress came and she was like, que tu quieres? And I was like, <laughs> eh, dame un arroz. And she was like, oh, you're one of my paisas, but I can tell <laughs> that you grew up here. And I'm like, I only said four words. <laughs> How? Uh, how did I say arroz? That sounded more American Dominican like, than the damn way you it. said arroz. Like, how is that possible? But man, you know, they, it's these nuances that you, it's maddening. You mm -hmm. know? And mm -hmm. yeah, and when I saw Generation 1.5, I was like, I need to find more people that understand that dichotomy of like, yeah, I'm not a citizen and I'm not from DR. So, you know, we're in this yep. middle ground. No way to vote, no way to go. Yep, 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 yep. And that's, and that's, 
really how a lot of people are starting to identify with that. It's like that 1.5. And hey, like if you want to identify with it, take it up, like own it. I love it. I love it. And it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what's great about words. The more they change, the more they feel inclusive. You're like, oh, yeah, that's a new one. I could use that. Yes, exactly. How um, tell me. Yeah, because, like, you know, as a generation 1.5, like when what was your story? Like, how old were you when your mm-hmm. parents decided to come here first? Because in the beginning, we didn't get it. But she told us a little bit of her history of L.A., then the Bay, then back to L.A. But what was going on for you in Mexico and with your family before you guys decided to to make the, the walk to El Otro Lado? Mm hmm. Um, so the thing about, I don't know too much about the struggles that my parents were facing. They're very closed off with that. Um, and I try not to push them. Um, but one of the things was, um, yes, money, a lot of like the financial status, um, that my, that my family was going through just wasn't enough to survive. And so that's as much as I'm able to gather from them from there, there, my dad migrated first. And then I migrated with, um, my mother, like a couple a couple years later and so then I came mostly and I st- stayed here until like at five years old so at five six years old is where I really stayed and then from there um I was able to really like go into schooling um and learn the language even though I only knew Spanish mm-hmm. at home I was only hearing Spanish I would only watch um like Spanish shows <laughs> and so I was like I did not know how to talk to people here. Yeah. I knew what they I knew how to play at most, but I didn't know how to talk to other kids my age. Um, I didn't understand the language, and the, that was another pressure that I was like expected. I was like, you should know English by the time you're in like first grade, kindergarten, um, and I was like, how? Yeah. <laughs> I was that language broker. I was expected to be that language broker. Um, my parents expected me to know that you were the only kid at the time. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. yeah. So coming here, they expect you like, yeah, you're young. Learn, learn everything. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we joke about it, but it is a lot of pressure. Like, uh, it was Mm -hmm. the same thing. Like, uh, I don't know how I did it, but when my family first brought me here, they looked at me and my sister and they were like, we have ESL or Mm -hmm. we have regular English classes. Which do you Mm -hmm. want? My sister chose ESL. For some reason, I said I want regular English classes. I was talking, speaking pretty decent English <laughs> within three weeks, my family said. And and then mm-hmm. that was like a curse because then I became the go-to person because look how quickly he picked yep. it up. And yep. yeah, it was a give, I was taking my grandma to every doctor's appointment. Yep. Every legal thing, I was like, I am, and I didn't, I didn't feel like, again, I'm, I'm explaining to you more of anything than, <laughs> I honestly, now that I think about it, I didn't really get much of a childhood because it had mm-hmm. to be so serious going to all these doctors meeting and having to know all these serious things to be able to translate. Like I had a, probably a very deep medical vocabulary at the age of six, mm-hmm. seven than most other kids do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a word for that too. You know what I mean? Like, Yes, and that's actually there's a word for that, and it's uh parentified. You've been parentified, where you are now losing your childhood to become this quote unquote mini parent, mini adult, um, where you're taking adults and you're being that language broker, um, because it's the loss of childhood. You don't get to be a regular kid because you have to translate. You don't get to be a regular kid to go play because you have to do your homework and learn English, um, and that's the homework. Um, your expected your expectations now go to like an 18 year old uh expectation even if you're like a 10 year old wow. it grows you know 
a lot of things I'm telling you are actually like stand up jokes, and this is what I'm telling you. I use trauma. <laughs> I used I used to do the joke that I used to go, um, you know, white people's retirement plan is like a four hundred one k. Like Spanish mm-hmm. people, Hispanic, their retirement plan is that kid. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So when my mom saw that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian, that's like when white people saw Enron crash. They're like, ay, Dios mío, que hice? Mm-hmm. A comedian, I yeah. know my 401, you know, like, so, but I was joking, like, no, but my mom, seriously, like, I don't, first of all, we had no papers. She brought me to mm-hmm. terrible schools in New York City. No offense, mom, I love you to death. And <laughs> then she goes, you need to be a doctor. I'm like, como? Como? Yeah. Like, yep. how am I going to do this? She saved no money. I had no idea mm-hmm. how to sign up, like, for student loans as an undocumented person. And mm-hmm. it's like, how? I mean, I'm glad that my mom has broken out of that and realized maybe I put too much on you. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm lucky compared to some other mm-hmm. kids never got that. I'm sorry for putting that on you. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, that's a huge thing. And, like, that pressure, that pressure is another trigger on us where we develop this sense of perfectionism. We develop this sense of like, I can no longer rest, this palante, mm-hmm. I, this palante mentality. Like I have to just keep moving forward because I will disappoint them because I am their like retirement plan. That is exhausting. Mm-hmm. That is exhausting on us. We are already like battling like this country just to acknowledge us as humans. Now that's like, oh, I pay taxes. Oh, they do. They go to work, mm-hmm. et cetera. No, 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 none of that. As human beings, mm-hmm. we are already battling that. And then on top of that, the expectation to be perfect, the expectation to um, work constantly, to never rest, mm-hmm. to go into this prestigious like um, career roles. It's hard. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah, no, it's and you you know you're absolutely right, especially like with the pressures of and you know we keep going back to the undocumented thing. Are you mm-hmm. currently, uh, w- like I'm not trying to get into things, but like yeah. where was your process of being able to go to school if you didn't have status? Mm-hmm. I get a lot of kids being like, "How are you able to go to school? I was lucky. I have a temporary status. I'm about to lose in a year and a half, so we'll see what happens then." But mm-hmm. uh, but I was able to go to school because of my status. Like, uh, how were you able to go to college and 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 do all that to get to the point you're at now? Right. So I. I gained um, DACA right my first year of community college. Okay. From there, I was an eight, like what here in California, they have 18? a bill called, yeah, 1718. Okay. Was DACA made like right when you were 18? Was that the first time it was made or? or... Um, I think it was like, yeah, that it was in 2012 when it was like created. So like 2013, tw- like 2000, sorry. Yeah, 2013, 2014 is like when I was starting to go into like community college. Oh, okay, so you didn't have that transition because, like, you know, that's the big mm-hmm. thing where a lot of kids mm-hmm. become 18 and they have that, oh, you overstayed credit. So you didn't have that mm-hmm. issue. Like you no. were able to get DACA. Great, great, great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then um, from there, getting in like getting that temporary status. Um, I Well, before getting that temporary status, I was an AB 540 student here in California that allows me to, as an undocumented um, individual to pay in-state tuition so instead oh, wow. of out of state okay. um so thank god for that bill because if not i don't think i would have made it here because <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of money yeah um but with then status it kind of like again it it just helped me stay within that um in that state's tuition yeah. um but i would like i i did not know anybody else that was undocumented so i also didn't know how to apply for like scholarships I didn't know how to apply for loans because like I didn't know how to apply for FAFSA. My counselor in, um, in high school was knew about my status and 
because I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what limitations it had. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, oh, well, don't even think about going to college. And I was like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, it's going to be very hard. You're not going to have this and it's going to be a lot of money. So don't, don't even think about it. And I was like, okay mm -hmm. and so like i got my heart broken there and i'm like okay well like i want That's to so sad i got the same spiel they were like just don't worry about it i actually had a scholarship to st john's university when they found mm -hmm. out i had a social security number and they were like sorry and i was like sorry i yeah. worked my ass off man i got all these yeah uh, you know accreditations and stuff and, and y'all just mm -hmm. sorry it, it's just so cold and they just look like yes mm. yeah yes like but, i literally i'm overqualified for your thing and that's the only thing you look at? Yeah. Yeah. That's the only thing you say no for? Yeah. And, yeah. And so so your counselor was like, no, you can't go. And But w mm -hmm. what made you, like, what was the luck that made you still be able to be like, screw it, I'm going to try it anyways? Las ganas. Las ganas, uh, yeah. <laughs> really, yeah, like, I, one, las ganas, and two, like, I had the fear of disappointing my parents at that mm. time. That was a very strong trigger that motivated me. Um motivation out of fear to mm -hmm. keep going to find alternatives and i was like well i'm gonna just if i can't find loans if i can't apply for scholarships if i can't do that um then i'm gonna have to work i'm gonna have to work to get this wow. i worked three jobs up until undergrad to pay for schooling because i did not know the resources i didn't know anybody else outside um, of my family that was undocumented yeah. um that knew these resources back then. Resources were very limited. They're not like anything nowadays. Um, you went to college I in 2012. Yes. I went to college in 2006. That was less exactly. resources. I couldn't Google. Exactly. I mean, I could Google, but not that easily. Like it wasn't just like mm -hmm. this treasure trove or on TikTok where you happen to come across and be like, "Do you want to go to college as an undocumented person?" Click the link below, and you're like, "What?" Yes. <laughs> That's not happening yes. in 2006. So yeah, that. Oh yeah, I feel you so much. Mm -hmm. They like. Yeah, you have to do, yo, I commend you so much for doing all that work. And as much as, like, you're awesome, it's also, like, kind of, like, we're the kind of people that they'll make examples of and be like, mm -hmm. well, look, they did it. And you're like, it was exactly. very hard, and I don't want this for anybody else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so mm -hmm. that, yeah, oh, God, I feel you so hard on that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, like, this phrase kind of stuck with me when I finally did meet a mentor um, coming out of, under, like, undergrad where I was like, oh yeah, I have to work your jobs. And like, for me, it was normal. I had to do that. I had to do this. It was normal for me. And they stopped me dead in my tracks. And they're like, I am so sorry you had to do that. That was, that shouldn't happen. You shouldn't be doing that yeah. just to get here. And that kind of like shook me. I was like, what do you mean? Like, this isn't normal. Um, and it was kind of like this wake up call. Like, no, I am exhausting my body, my mind, emotional state just to be here, just to get the bare minimum of what everybody else is getting. Oof, that's heartbreaking. And I was like, wow, it is, it is. Again, it was another realization I, I saw that I was like, we shouldn't have to put ourselves through this. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw, I saw mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was in a different world, but I saw like, I was in the comedy world during my formative <laughs> undocumented year. So, so it was kind of heartbreaking mm -hmm. to see a lot of my white friends who were very, very, very corny uh, be able to go things only because I had the paperwork, you know what I mean? Like I couldn't, I couldn't yep. like apply for any of the writing jobs, you know, or any mm -hmm. offers that were like, Hey, do you guys want to try out for this thing? I couldn't be like, yay. Cause I like, no, I really, my career can't actually go that far. Like I could have some mm -hmm. fun, but I can't progress that far. Like it was, yeah. And yeah. it's very hard to explain to people like, you know, I'm not hustling as hard, not because I'm not motivated. It's because I can't 
I can't get to a certain place like you guys. You exactly. Know? That was that was yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was heartbreaking. Um, one thing that I did wanted to talk to you a little bit about that I um I dealt mm-hmm. with for a lot of years as an undocumented person was uh the truth. And the what? The truth. Okay, yes. Just mm-hmm. just cause like um, you know, growing up undocumented and my parents saying like you know don't tell people the truth you know don't oh, tell them where you're from mm-hmm. like i had yo know, my parents made me like yo people be like yo how are you like you know so good at remembering lines as an actor i'm like man my parents wrote out like a script for me to tell them where i was i was born in jamaica queens on april 3rd mm-hmm. my doctor was libit Le- uh, mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i had a whole american story and mm-hmm. i guess being given that freedom uh by my parents to lie I, I had a real problem with the truth as an adult. Like, I was a pathological liar, like, borderline, like, mm-hmm. just... I would tell people, you know, that I wore an orange shirt yesterday when it was red just to get over on them. You know what I mean? It became really mm-hmm. sick. And mm-hmm. I I thank my partner. Uh, I didn't get to go to therapy because I'm documented. I had to, you know, do the work myself. Uh, <laughs> and my partner really was like, man, this is this is a problem. I think it has to do a lot, with, you know, with your undocumented status. And, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I just it really took me a lot to put two and two together but mm-hmm. yeah it, it it it's it was a lot and you know my parents especially growing up in a dictatorship they mm-hmm. they had to use lies as a survival mechanism mm-hmm. and then when they came here exactly. from a dictatorship to undocumented lying just became the we already know how to do this yeah you know mm-hmm. so it was it was a lot and it, it, it i honestly <clears throat> the more i think about it the more i'm i'm happy i got out of it but i'm so surprised my mom has been able to mm-hmm. at sixty two like wake up from it and be like, oh, I, I do have problems mm-hmm. that that need addressing because a lot of people don't come around to that moment. No, they don't. It's um and it like you perfectly said right there. It becomes a survival tactic. Um, we always talk about like oh, being in survival mode, being in survival mode. We pick up skills in being in survival mode. Those skills being yes, lying. Lying has served us in so many ways because it saved our asses. It's keeping us safe. And for many other reasons, it's providing us to progress in some ways. Um, and that works as a child where you're not trying to get your ass beat by your parents, especially as like um, <laughs> not knowing what the word was on the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Like you lie. Yeah. Um, and then as you grow older, yes, it just becomes a survival tactic where our parents also had to survive using that same tactic. No, I know. And it's it's just... Uh... Yeah, I'm I'm so happy that like I, I found my way out of it because like now I don't like lying about anything. Now <laughs> I, I I'm like, yeah, here's a change. It was five dollars and thirty two cents. Like I wanna tell people like to the penny the truth. But yeah. but no, it was it was tough. Like I was watching that movie, uh did you see the documentary Flea? I've talked about it already twice on this. But it's about the did you see it? It's about the guy from um Afghanistan who has to like go to Moscow and he ends up in Sweden. And he's talking while he's telling the, his story to his best friend in the movie is the first time his best friend finds out that his family's still alive, that he's been lying mm-hmm. for so long that it like literally during the movie is the first time he tells the truth that I was like, wow, we are so traumatized by this undocumented experience globally. Yeah. You know, yes. like, mm-hmm. um, where uh, you've you've combined recently uh, with a bunch of therapists online, haven't you? What, what was that I have. about? What's that about? So here in California, again, like again, this stays like not the best, but it does protect a lot of undocumented within its own laws here and there. Um, but we can also apply as a, like even if you didn't have DACA, you can still be a therapist with an ITIN number. Oh. 
Um, so I've come to meet, again, when I mentioned that I do pro bono services, I work with a nonprofit, Immigrants Rising, who provides a lot of information um, for undocumented individuals. They talk about advanced parole, so they have an advanced parole guide. They have um, like what it's like to like to live outside the U.S. They have educational um, like resources if you wanted to apply. They have scholarships on like what that is and what that looks like. Um, so again, everything I wish I had when I first knew I was undocumented. Yeah. Um, they have provided as well. Now they have developed um, their mental health connector. It's only limited to California, unfortunately. Um, but here I was able to be on a team with other undocumented um, therapists. Um, social workers, LPCCs, um, where I, on, on my recent TikTok, I was able to like um, also go on a Q&A with them and where others can just ask us as well, like what's it like to be undocumented and a therapist? Because yeah. it's, it's a whole different thing here. Well, so everybody in organizations like mixed status, but professionals with exactly. mixed status. I love mm -hmm. that so much. And yeah, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus Christ, that's amazing. That's amazing. And mm -hmm. you said it's a nonprofit. I work I, a nonprofit, right? So yes. it's not just the mental health that has like a bunch of other umbrellas. Yeah. There, right. I work mm -hmm. for the same thing. I do. I just I just like I, I work for an immigration law firm. That's a nonprofit. But we're part of a bigger Hispanic nonprofit. That's like a theater. Mm -hmm. And that's a, like a church diocese. And it's all these things like it's just it's 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 the Hispanic thing that we cannot have one business. We need to have like all nine That's businesses. True. We can have everything. Everything in one. You know, put a basket yes. robin and a, you know, and a Dunkin' Donuts and an immigration law firm in the same building. Like yes. that's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so what do you what what's like your plan? What's what do you plan to do with with this mm -hmm. work? Is there anything that like excites you that's coming up? Uh, one of my things is one. Uh, obviously getting a license. So I have to accumulate at least 3000 hours of direct services with clients in order, and then pass two tests um, to gain my license and then be a licensed like therapist, trauma therapist, again, continuously working um, with the undocumented community, either by providing um, support groups, uh, clinical groups, or just individual work with them. And uh, that's, they're my passion. And like, hey, I, we don't have a lot of us here. So if I can be one of those people to help uh, I, at least hear their struggles, at least hear their story and actually validate them genuinely. That's what, I, that's my passion. That's what I love to do. At the same time, helping them grow, helping them heal from these traumas. Um, and that's one of my passions. So it's yes, going into my own private practice. So hopefully that's in the works as well. Yeah. Um, so that's a two year goal right now. Like, Cause I mean, we only have to work. We only have two years to like really set up goals. Yeah, so yeah. that's my two-year goal. This was a e no stay. Yeah, yeah no, I, um, yeah, I get that. So yeah. And honestly, like, um, like me working in immigration and stuff like that. Uh, I I'm trying to look more for like political organizations that try to change the immigration system. So if you mm -hmm. know of any like political movement or anything like that, that tries, it's trying to change mental health to kind of expand it more state by mm -hmm. state or anything, please let me know because knowing that that's an issue now that you can only practice in your state, which is what causes yeah. for there to be a limited resources of therapists is like, what a horrible, like, I mean, when, when, yeah. uh, when the pandemic hit as a nursing assistant, uh, for the first year and a half, they opened up my license to every state. I can yeah. literally, I could have, but did they open, did they do the same thing kind of thing during the pandemic for therapists? No, we, what we did have was a temporary, temporary like stay. So we would like, again, 
this whole temporary status type of thing. Um, but the whole temporary stay, really. Like you have a temporary status and they give you a temporary status for your job. And you're yes. like, oh, my God, how many temporary yes. statuses do I have to get? I'm tired of this. Yes. Really, though. Really, though. Yeah. So, so they gave you a temporary status. Yeah, where you could temporarily um, practice in another state. You just have to apply for it. Okay, all right, and that's the most I did. Uh, how was that? That's the most I get. How was that during the pandemic? Like, because uh, were you working for the nonprofit before it hit, or was this just like you got the job during the pandemic? No, I got the job during the pandemic. Um, so, it, yeah, it was still high rise pandemic. I also started my like at my group prior practice um, job as well. So, also started there. So one of the things is like everything went virtual. I have yet to meet people in person as a therapist um, because I also graduated during the pandemic. So everything has been virtual for me. Wow. Yes. Because I was going to say, how do you how has the community uh, reacted to like the pandemic? What have you found from, Mm -hmm. you know, from people seeking services Is more less from our community? Yeah, it's been it's been a lot more um, only because we it really stopped us in our tracks. Mm-hmm. Like the pandemic, when they said like, oh, you don't go to work, don't do this. It really stopped a lot of people from that. Like, again, that wake up, like, oh, we're we're in survival mode. And it's like stopped us right in our tracks. Like, hey, stop. Yeah. Go home. Yeah. Stop. Stop working. We can't we can't even work yeah. at that point. So it really put a lot of people to feel what's been needed to feel for like years and years. Yeah. So it really set people into a lot of depression. It really set a lot of anxiety. It really set, especially the anxiety of like uh, death, uncertainty, jobs. They would lose jobs. We would lose money. And we weren't able to pay rent. We were we would get evicted. Um, as a document, like we rely strongly on our job. Yeah. We rely strongly to get like to know about this. So like when they told us to not work, many of us lost a lot of income. Yeah. A lot of the only stability that we could have had, yeah. really. Do so you- it really affected us. No, absolutely. And that's why, like, um, I mean, growing up, mental health was almost like a stigma. You know, uh, I'll let you go. We got probably like another 10 minutes. I, I'll, I'll let you go. I just want to talk about this real quick. As long as I got like, you know, a, a therapist here, you know, um, yes. as, as a man and as a Latin man, uh, yes. you know, mental health mm-hmm. was like, you know, the joke that I again, always joke it, is my mom always used to say, tu ta loco, tu eres loco. Mm-hmm. And then I mm-hmm. would say. Can I go see a therapist? He'd be like, tú no estás loco. And I'm like, well, which one is it? <laughs> oh, my this God. This is the yes. most maddening thing ever. Estoy loco no estoy loco, mami. Por favor. Like, you know, like, oh, I'm crazy until I ask you to actually pay for someone. Like, no, tú no estás loco. Y no me estás jugando. I'm like, you know, and it made me, it made me feel like, well, mm-hmm. why am I? And honestly, I almost want to cry. Just, I know it's a joke. I say a joke every whole time, but I almost want to cry because it was the most gaslighting thing. You know, like, you twitch mm-hmm. a lot and you move around. And the teachers would be like, you're so hyperactive. Yeah, my mm-hmm. mom like, loco, loco. And I would say, you know, maybe take me. So I'm like, no, no, loco, no. And I'm like, but which is it then? <laughs> like, yes. you know? so, and then it just felt maddening. And then, you know, uh, uncles growing up telling me, excuse my language, you know, you talk like a bitch whenever I would mm-hmm. try to explain my mm-hmm. problems in more than three words, you know, you know, girls mm-hmm. be like, you know, try to, no, I'm having this, you know, they're like, you talk like a bitch. So yeah. I felt like I constantly couldn't talk about my, my problems, my issues. So mm-hmm. I just, I just hope that it's changing. Yeah. Within mm-hmm. our community. 
No, yeah, and it really is like, um, and again, I value like all the technology around this because like now with like not only Instagram and like Facebook, but like with TikTok, where it has brought up a lot of like, uh, where again, creators, content creators, they're experience, like they show experiences with their parents or they do videos with their parents, like yelling at them, throwing the chancla, et cetera, right? Yeah. This funny way, like it's yeah. like we as a collective laugh about our trauma. Yeah. And so when we, when we see that, we like, oh my God, that like, that's your mom too. That's my mom too. And it's like, it's kind of validating. Yeah. Like, oh, it wasn't just my mom throwing a chancla at me or, or like hitting me with the, um, with the seatbelt, et cetera. It wasn't my dad just like belittling myself. Um, be literally my feelings, et cetera, yeah. or like unable to talk to me about anything else that's not work related. Mm -hmm. Like it's a whole generation. It's a whole Latinx thing. Yeah. We, it's a strong stigma to not talk about mental health. When they, when I tell them I'm a therapist, they're like, oh, entonces trabajas con locos. I'm like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I was just like, bro, like, right, aquí todos estamos locos. Right todos estamos locos. <laughs> Right, te estaba con lo no, no, mm -hmm. trabajo con gente con trauma. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. No, oh my god, no, that's yeah, that's exactly it's zero to sixty. I'm so sorry, yeah, but I'm glad you're doing the Lord's work. Yes, oh my god, like oh, the yeah. amount of times, like my family is all like, I, when I first told them I wanted to be a therapist, they were like, oh, entonces vas a trabajar con loco, yeah. con gente loca, and I'm like, no, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, and then now when I'm like, get like close to my license and everything they're like oh and tienes que empezar con la familia Jenny and I'm just like <laughs> yeah yeah oh my god I know a family turn on you so quickly family turn yes yo I, I, I don't want to give away too much but I got something coming up that my family found out and even family that was against my comedy all of a sudden coming out go like oh my god I'm so proud of you I'm like mira como cambian as soon as yes. you know what I mean as soon as like oh mm -hmm. this could actually be beneficial for us you know, mm -hmm. but I, I love that. I love that your family is like, they always supporting you and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't always like that. Like when I, when you were talking about like when you're first coming up as a comedian, just talking about your undocumented status, my parents were just like, why are you telling people why yeah. Yeah. I would have like my graduation cap saying like undocumented therapist, et cetera. And like my dad would be like, laugh. He's like, Any por, por qué te da tanto orgullo? Sí. and then again, it's going back to them. It's not seen as something we should be proud of. Because yeah. it's like this taint, this stain. Yeah, no, and for us, it's like, we're not trying to reclaim that. We are now trying to reclaim our status. And I'll be like, no, this is something that I, I'm proud of at, at, at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I've done all the right work. You know what I mean? And exactly. That's, and that's when people, when people always tell me, oh, why don't you just get married? And I'm like, listen, <sighs> uh, that's a solution. I'm glad that you know the system, that you know one solution. <laughs> But also, you know, I worked during the pandemic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I pay my taxes. I went to college. I've been an entertainer for 15 years. I've been entertaining white. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot for this country where I should be able to stand yep. on my own and not some, you know, U.S. citizen being like, I bestow you worthy. Bing! You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to exactly. be knighted by some, you know, I am my own. I want somebody to love me because they love me, not because, you know, mm -hmm. I can, you know, help you become a citizen. No, like, I should be able mm -hmm. to stand on my own. Um mm -hmm. That it was it's been a, it's been awesome to talk to you really it's a uh, generations 1.5 man these these conversations are so needed um before i let you go can you give our listeners um resources where to find you where i i you know it sucks that you're in california but maybe any websites where they can find places around their own neighborhoods anything please take it away yeah of course so i'll give uh two really big ones um the biggest one is the one i always recommend which is latinx therapy and 
latinxtherapy.com. It is where you could find across the country, like a Latinx therapist near you. There you can use a filter button to um, use for insurance, um, modality, therapist identity, um, what you're coming in for, what it's like you're struggling with, as well as like low scale fees. Um, what as low as you can pay, so you can put like a scale, how much you're willing or able to pay for services. Um, so that's another one as well. Another one, of course, is Open Path Collective. Open Path Collective is again across um, nation nationwide, where the lowest for services is thirty dollars. Wow. Uh, highest is sixty dollars. Again, you could also search for, um, you can use the filter button for like insurances, um, therapists. They also have Latinx therapists, Black therapists, Indigenous therapists on their directories. Um, so again, check those out. Oh, another one that just came up really is inclusive therapists, inclusivetherapist.com. Another directory that has Indigenous, Black, uh, Latinx, uh, people of color um, therapists. Again, nationwide, um, low scale. So filter out um, based on what you're coming in with. Those are three that are cross nationwide. Um, so yeah. That's awesome. And I know you have the TikTok and the Instagram uh, for the yeah. company you work for. If you want to give them that real quick, because I started following them. <laughs> oh, they follow me. I should follow them back. So I was like, yeah, so you for your name, and I just found all your organizations. Like, well, at least I found all her organizations. But her name will come yeah. later on. <laughs> It's here, it's there. Um, so yeah, you could follow me on TikTok, Instagram at MujeresXPsych. Um, from there, you could also um, go on my website where it's um, emdrandtraumatherapy.com. And that's where my group private practice is, uh, not my group private practice, but the group private practice that I work for is at. Um, you could also, like on the website, you'll also find all the resources that I just listed, as well as other resources um, for Black creators, Black um Black, uh, sorry, um, documented people as well. So there, that's some as well. Um, also, again, if like if you're hearing this and you're in California, um, Immigrants Rising Mental Health Connector is a great resource. It's free uh, mental health services for the undocumented community, only for the undocumented community. So please, like, like take advantage of those resources. There are great therapists on the team, um, ready to help you with genuine, genuine interest. Um, but that's where you can find me and a little bit more about my work. That's awesome. Hey, Jennifer, seriously, uh, thank you so much for the work. I You can bill me later on <laughs> for the session. Uh, but it's really, I think people are going to get a lot out of this, and I hope they go. And if you need any kind of help, please seek some help because, you know, you can't do it on your own. You can't think you could be strong enough to, to, to wheel this on your own. It's, it's good to talk to someone. So I appreciate you coming on today. And this will be up like this Thursday, so it'll be up right away. We'll make some videos and post it right away. Awesome. Thank you, Chase. Thank you so much. Congratulations on all your accomplishments as well. Uh, thank um, you. But thank you for having me here as a well. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll stay friends on the on the Twitterverse and hopefully we'll meet in real life one day. Yes. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. Have a good rest of your day. Bye. Hey, Bye. Bye. This has been a Drop Tent Media Production.